Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This guy has jilted me more times than all of my boyfriends put together. Oh, my goodness. That can't be true. (laughs) It is so true, Milo. We were supposed to have you on the show several times, and you left us at the altar. Oh, my good. Well, I have to tell you, you're in very good company. There are, are, there are half a dozen African-American men who are in exactly the same position as you. I am so sorry, but I'm happy to be here now. I hope you'll forgive me. I will forgive you. I will forgive you just this time, Milo Yiannopoulos. I'm finally going to say your name. I was afraid to say it. Number one, because you jilted me so many times. But number two, mentioning your name triggers my audience. They have threatened to boycott the station. They have called you a pedophile. (laughs) They have called you a racist and a homophobe, even though I told them that you are a gay Jewish man with a black boyfriend, and I understand you're gonna you're gonna get hitched, right? I black fiance. If that makes me a racist, then I think liberal America has truly gone nuts. Uh, they truly have gone nuts, with, without a doubt. And all all of the free speech that we are allowed to have, it seems to me, if they can have it their way, it's fine. But it, we cannot have it any other way. So uh, I know you have the book out, and I do want to talk about uh, Dangerous, which is on the New York Times bestseller list, and that has got to make people's heads melt there. I bet the New York Times is thinking about pulling their bestseller list just so they don't have to write your name. (laughs) Wouldn't surprise me. You know, the funniest thing is they'll put me on the list because they can't deny, you know, they just cannot sustain the fiction that I'm not a phenomenally successful author, but they still have their little jabs. Chapter two of my book is called Why the Alt-Right Hates Me. And it's my attempt to set the record straight about one of the dozens of lies that told me told about me in the press. And perhaps the reason that a lot of your listeners have got in touch and been upset with you having me on the show is that they perfectly understandably have read things that are not true that made them think, oh, my God, this guy's the devil. Well, I'm not the devil, and most of what you read about me is total lies. But I was amused that even the New York Times, when forced to finally confess that I was one of the most popular authors in the country, still referred to me on the New York Times list as an alt-right provocateur, despite the fact that... um, Chapter two of my book is called Why the Alt-Right Hates Me, which demonstrates that not a single person in the whole building of the New York Times had even opened a copy of a book that was number two on its bestseller list. Other entities, though, have admitted that uh, people do get you all wrong, including some leftist publications, right? They had to say, you know, what this guy says is is not what people say he said. And I think there's a danger there, Milo, because there's all this repeating and all this reposting and rebroadcasting of things that at the end people do get it wrong. What do, what do people get wrong about you in essence? And, and what's the worst misrepresentation of something that you've said? People get absolutely everything wrong about me because journalists are lazy scoundrels and they just uncritically repeat the work of other journalists 
who are just reputable liars. And eventually these things work themselves all the way up into the pages of the LA Times, USA Today and CNN, all of whom have issued a groveling retraction for calling me names like white supremacist, pedophile apologist, all this kind of stuff. Just last week in the New York Times magazine, they called me a statutory rape advocate, literally out of nowhere, just invented out of cloth, wholesale, total lie and fabrication. Well, weren't they, yeah, yeah, go back, and, and that's where you had some uh, problems in February, right, where you said something, and then it came back to uh, bite you, and I guess that you do a lot of, sp- you speak seven hours a day, right? I speak for hours and hours and hours every day, and sometimes I will admit things tumble out of my mouth in a way that I wish I'd rephrased, you know? Um, but I made very, very clear what my position was after that. Um, I was unequivocal about the fact that I find child abuse absolutely disgusting. And instead of reporting the facts, which is that in, I'd actually I was a victim of child abuse, not a perpetrator. And I was speaking loosely about my own experiences and making jokes about it. I said, if it hadn't been for Father Michael, I wouldn't, well, I won't say it on, on the family show. But I made a joke about my own experiences. And that became in the media that I was an advocate for child rape. There is nothing more utterly dishonest and reprehensible than the way the media treats conservatives. And, you know, I am a Brit. I don't have a a dog in the fight, you know, Republican versus Democrat. I think the Republicans are absolutely appalling on all sorts of issues. Just like a lot of Trump voters, I don't like them any more than I like the Democrats. But I have to say, as a Brit coming over to America and looking at this stuff with a fresh pair of eyes, most of the dishonesty, most of the bias, and most of the threats to free speech, these days anyway, and this wouldn't have been the case in the 90s, perhaps, when the religious right had more power than they do now, but these days, the progressive left, the social justice warriors, the feminists, and Black Lives Matter are, you know, dedicated to the total destruction of, physically if necessary, of people who simply believe different things than they do. And they have no compunction whatsoever about brazenly lying about their enemies. And I've been as much of a victim of this as anybody else in American public life. So if there's one message to take away from it, it is read my book to find out if, uh, you know, if you have some concerns about me and everything you read about me is a lie. You have a a good solution, I think, for this uh, now brewing statue conundrum. And Milo, in a country as as serious and with uh, economic issues and other things going on, I'm so amazed that statues have become a flashpoint. But you have a statue's solution that seems to be a good thing. You want to talk about that? Because I think we can have consensus on this. Well, two things uh, that are unutterably uh, stupid and wrong-headed about tearing down statues. One is that if you hide history or you try to forget about it or you cover it over, you are doomed to repeat it. If we don't constantly uh, talk about and review and think about the horrors of history, whether it's the Holocaust or, or things that have killed a lot more people like communism, um, we may, we may uh, be tempted to go back there. But the other thing is when you ban something, when you, when you say this cannot even be discussed in public, you make it irresistible. You make it absolutely, um, you know, com- and completely unavoidable. People. You turn it into a sort of, if you, t- you give it a sort of attractiveness. You give it an attractiveness that, let, let's say, Madonna's music videos had in the 1990s when they were banned from MTV. Or my books have when, you know, I can't find a publisher who will publish perfectly reasonable, respectable, mainstream conservative opinions 
because I crack a few fat jokes and I don't like a few sacred cows like Amy Schumann and Lena Dunham, which, by the way, nobody else does either. Um, so, you know, that my solution to this was, um, well, if you don't like all these statues around, let's replace them all with statues of Mohammed. Let's see how that works out. Let's see, you know, if, if, that's, if that's the way to fix it. Um, you know, I've come up with a couple of humorous, you know, tongue-in-cheek strategies, but the bottom line is, and the key thing to, to remember here is that pulling down these statues is giving in to the most anti-intellectual, idiotic, feelings-based, far-left activism, which threatens not only to destroy important historical monuments, but it raises the risk of things like, you know, the, the things that are being complained about, the horrors that are being described by these activists, happening again because we're not surrounded by warnings from history. It's why I disagree with the swastika and with Mein Kampf being banned in Germany. I mean, Mein Kampf, uh, you know, Hitler's, Hitler's book, which is full of idiocy and stupidity and hatefulness. Hitler, of course, being a terrible writer and a, an autodidact, he taught himself everything. You, you know, the kind, of, the kind of book he wrote, you can imagine rambling, awful, dreadful, dreadful books. But it's important that people read it so that they can judge for themselves just how bad the ideas were. Because when you ban things, you make them attractive, you make them mysterious, you make them sort of sexy. And it's just a basic fundamental of human nature that the left seems to have forgotten, that it is far better to confront evil things than to hide them. And that's also why I hate safe space and trigger warning culture in universities, because if you hide from the bad things that have happened in the past, you are doomed to repeat them in your own way. And in fact, that's exactly what's happening because, you know, these Antifa, these supposed anti-fascist activists, the feminists on campus and all the rest of it, are sliding into the same kinds of tactics, bullying, intimidation, and violence that, are the, that, that were the purview of the supposed right-wing fascists they hate so much. They themselves tearing down evidence of their own past misdeeds, of course, because, you know, anything associated with the Klan or, you know, the, the, the southern mistreatment of blacks was all the purview of the Democrat Party. So you've got people who weren't slaves fighting people who weren't racist trying to hide the history of the Democrat Party. It's an absurd situation that would be solved completely if we just had an understanding that we must all confront not just the good things in history, not just the great inventions of humanity, but also the terrible things. It's important to study great inventions in American history. It's important to realize why freedom, democracy, property, and capital, uh, capital, uh, property rights and capitalism are the fundamentals of all the best civilizations in the world. But it's just as important to study the Nazis. It's just as important to study, uh, to study communist regimes like Cuba and the USSR so that we avoid the mistakes of both. And uh, I think this uh, follows along the line of the, the narrative about yourself, is that certain people are demonized and certain people are almost exonerated even though they've behaved badly and I would uh, point to uh, Robert Byrd who a prominent democrat and I would point to Margaret Sanger whom I read on your website today the founder of Planned Parenthood attended KKK rallies but she's all right Oh, that's not even a, that's not even a contentious historical point. It's a matter of record that Margaret Sanger was a eugenicist who set up Planned Parenthood to kill black babies, and Planned Parenthood is carrying on her legacy. It's killed, I think, sixteen or nineteen million black babies since it was founded. I mean, it disproportionately affects the poor, disproportionately affects uh, black, you know, working working class communities. The number of black men and women 
who have been murdered by Planned Parenthood, and I'm, I'm ferociously pro-life, and I'm sure some of, your, some of your listeners will have different views on that, but the effect, the, what's actually happening, the product of, of Planned Parenthood is a sort of black genocide, and that's exactly what its founder intended. And you don't have to take my word for it. This is not the ravings of some far-right conspiracy nut. This is Margaret Sanger herself talking about undesirables, and undesirables, she meant homosexuals, Jews, and blacks. You know, she was, she was the, one of the American founders of the eugenicist movement, and it makes me so sad and so mystified to see American progressives standing up so, you know, fervently for Planned Parenthood when, we're all, when the primary effect of that organization is the murder of black people. You call uh, Donald Trump daddy, I know that. Uh, do you still do you still feel do you still feel Donald's a good daddy or what? Well, you know, here's the thing about our parents. Sometimes they make us cringe. Sometimes they make us embarrassed. Sometimes you don't agree with everything they do. But if they're our daddy, we know they have their best our best interests at heart. You know, when it when it comes down to it. And Donald Trump, I believe. Yeah. You know, I'm not happy on the face of it. I'll be honest with you, with the departure of Steve Bannon, I am the founding member and life president of the Steve Bannon fan club. He's somebody who's been lied about in the press almost as much as I have. Um, you know, I, I love Steve. I I've never made any secret of that. Almost everything you've read about him is a lie as well. Um, with the departure of Steve from the White House, it does say troubling things about the trajectory of this administration. I'm not going to lie. Good news is Steve's going to be a lot more powerful and effective out of the White House than in it. And... Trump only has to do two things to make me happy. One is he, he accomplishes just by existing, which is being an existential threat to political correctness and to, uh, to safe spaces, language codes, and all of the other ways that the left attempts to control public discourse because he just doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give a, give a, a SH about, what, about any of it. Um, you know, he is a wonderful example of the, fa- of, 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 the, of the principle that nothing bad happens when you stop listening to the nannies and the cultural skulls. So I love him for that. Um, and he can, he can do almost no wrong as a result. The second thing is I just want him to build the wall. And so long as he builds the wall, when that first brick goes down, my approval rating for Trump will go back up to 100 percent. But he has got to, to fulfill his campaign promises. My worry is that. Steve Bannon was the one with the, with the whiteboard in his office adjacent to the, to, to the Oval Office itself with a whiteboard full of the campaign promises. And he was the one in there every day telling Trump, look, you promised people this. When are we going to deliver it? Look, you said you were going to do this. When are we going to do it? Steve Bannon was the one keeping Trump honest to his campaign pledges. So I do worry about what will happen with him outside um, of, of the administration. But as I say, Steve is going to be far more powerful and effective doing whatever he's going to do outside from whatever platform he thinks is best. Uh, I understand he's coming back to Breitbart. I understand he has other plans in the pipeline, too. Um, you know, I, I hope the Trump White House doesn't drift off course and become just another ineffectual establishment Republican administration that does nothing for working Americans. But I guess it remains to be seen. Do you think that you may rejoin Breitbart? Uh, to be honest with you, I have my own media company now, and I'm focused on my books and my tour. Um, and, and, you know, we've just, we've just signed a, a massive author. I just started a publishing arm, not just to publish my book, but to publish other, you know, mischievous, dissident, dangerous conservatives. And we just signed a massive name that I'm going to be able to announce in a couple of weeks. Um, so I'm focused on that right now. I have always felt at home at Breitbart. I love the people back at Breitbart. I left because I felt that there was a little controversy about me in February, and I felt that that was distracting, and I wanted to give my colleagues, you know, the space to get back to, to what, they do, what they do really well. 
if one day they invite me back to write a column, I'm never going to say no. But right now I'm focused on, on you know, my best-selling books and my sellout tours. Yeah, you have uh, the, this is a great name, by the way, Troll Academy Tour. <laughs> well, this is my uh, my last tour. I don't know if I can say the name of my last tour on a family show, but uh, my last tour was about introducing me to, to American colleges and to America in general. This tour, Troll Academy, is about teaching other people how to be more like me, which is to say how to be fierce, how to be funny, how to be mischievous and dissident and deviant and all of the other, you know, wonderful ways in which conservatives can now finally, and I've seen this in the conservative movement, this new, excited, um, uh, young, powerful, fearless thing, which I think Trump is, isn't, Trump isn't responsible for it, but he definitely capitalized on it and, um, and, and made it bigger. Um, this new, powerful, energetic youth movement of conservatism, I'm one of the people they look up to. Trump is one of the people they adore. That is, um, that is a, a feature of American politics that is going nowhere, and that's what I'm going to be focused on for the next couple of years. I would, I would hope uh, someone has suggested to you that you manufacture a Milo troll doll. Do you think that that might happen? Uh, I have, but, uh, but it wouldn't have as good hair as mine, so I think I'm going oh. to go for more. More of a traditional action man figurine, I think. But I, it has been suggested, yes, and I, I, we are actively considering the proposition for sure. If I, if I meet you in New York City, would you have lunch with me? I would love that. It would really? Be my great Do place. you mean it? Because you said it on the radio, so now it makes it true. Uh, well, I don't say anything that isn't true. I say things that upset people because I'm so so bitchy and tacky and waspish and hilarious, and I, I make fun of all the people you're not supposed to make fun of. But I never say anything that isn't true. So now I've committed, we will have lunch. Okay, I'm bringing uh, my best friend Jackie, who is a huge a fan of yours, her, her son, who's going off to college. Milo, what kind of advice would you give a first-year college student going off to college like her son is this year? Don't. Stay home. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Also, I want to say, uh, I was with a, I was with a police officer yesterday, and I was saying that if you did the show today, uh, that we would discuss what he said. And he said there are a lot of men and women in the ranks of uh, the police force who are very, 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 very behind you, one hundred percent in the things you say and the things you do. So those are the messages. Well, one of the things that I am most gratified by is that. I have a huge base of support, not just in police officers. Every time we have a police presence at one of my events, I always get nudges and winks and you go, dude, from the police officers who are supposed to, of course, be professional and impartial but can't help themselves but say, dude, I think you're great. Um, um, and, uh, and uh, you know, the other group of people who love me are, are people who are serving in the armed forces. And I have a, such a huge fan base, and very unusual for somebody who speaks like I do. You wouldn't imagine a foul-mouthed, gay hellraiser from Britain to have a massive fan base in, you know, in the American Air Force and, and, and the Navy and the Army, but I do. And people like that who, who risk their lives to serve their nation are cognizant of the fact that America was built on freedom, on, you know, freedom of expression, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, and all the other wonderful capitalism, freedom, you know, democracy, all the things that make America the greatest, hit, greatest country in the history of human civilization. The people out there in the world actually fighting for those values and laying down their lives for this country are very often Milo fans, and that is one of my proudest achievements. That I, and it's one of the one of the ways in which I know that I'm at least broadly on the right track. You really are having lunch with me. I just want you to know. Oh no, that's fine. I would love that. Okay. I, I, 
constantly in need of great lunch companions. And I will pay. I'm going to pay, Milo. That's the other thing. I will pay for your <laughs> lunch in well, New York I City. Where, I will choose where we're having lunch, and you can pay. And the good news is I have very cheap taste. Okay. Everybody thinks I'm going to be a snob because I'm constantly decked out in Louis Vuitton and Gucci and Versace. But actually, I love Chick-fil-A and KFC. So we can go We, we can go for fast food and we'll have a That block. is going to be funny. Thanks, Milo Yiannopoulos. We have to run. But uh, thanks for doing the show. And I feel less jilted so now. Much. So thanks so much, buddy. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 